it is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Now, there's a lot of do's and a lot of weirdness that gets in there. But basically, Paul is saying, I want to do good, but I don't. And the things that I hate, those are the things that I do. And I just don't get it. It's like, I know that it is my sinful nature within me that is coming out. And, you know, this is in Romans. This is... You know, the gospel according to Paul where writes uh, where he writes this beautiful like thesis of like we're broken, but Jesus Christ makes us whole again. And so we're caught in this. There's this, this wrestling match. And so um, what started off is going to be kind of a one-off. I've decided, I was like, this is, I kind of think this is where we need to land for a little bit. And so for the next several weeks, it could be months, <clears throat> It might be 2025 when we end this, actually. But what I want to do for a little bit is I just, I want to talk a little bit about the ways that Satan gets at us. I think it's really important that we acknowledge that there's an enemy and that we recognize that he is going to try to attack us in different ways. And in just a few minutes, I'm, I think I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable and I'm going to share some things with you about how Satan has really gotten after me in a, a really powerful way. And it's a struggle that I have. But before I do that, I just want to do something a little different. So, Sydney, are you, are, can you come help me for a second? You want to come do something? I, I just want to do, I want to do a card trick. Can you do a card trick with me? I love playing with cards. So, I have, I have a deck of cards, okay? Yeah, you got it fixed? Oh, yeah. Oh, I walked away. Well, I first... It's the wrong mic. Okay. So I'm gonna, if you guys will get me a, a different mic set. I didn't turn on, so we're just going to keep it here. So I'll talk really loud, and you're going to help me out. And, and I, have, I have cards in here, so some of you already think this is a terrible idea. Because uh, we have, what are they called, marked cards? Remember back in the... So this is a normal deck. I assume there's 52 cards... So what I'm going to do is I'm going to shuffle this up, and I'm not a good shuffler. I have to use my knee here, but I'll, I'll shuffle it up. Okay, I want you to cut the deck. So you, you pick up some of the cards, and we're going to stick them up underneath. Okay, so so I don't know the order of these. I'm going to I'm going to let you pick a card and and uh, show everybody else, but don't let me know what it is. Okay, so does everybody see what it is? Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, so here's what you're going to do. You are going to, to put this card anywhere in the deck. Just slide it in. Make sure I can't see it. Just let's make sure it's not on top of that. Is that good enough for you? I'm going to go ahead and put this in. So I think I can tell you what your card is. So you ready for this? Bam. Is this your card? <laughs> are you sure? Okay, somebody. Brett, you were close. Is this her card? You're old. Your eyes don't work very well. Is anybody in? Okay, so I must have messed up. I'm a, okay, wait, hang on. Okay, let's look. Let's look. Tell me if, tell me if you see your card. Do you see it? You don't see it. Are you sure? Are you looking really good? You don't see it anywhere. It is. Is that it right there? That's not. It is there. 
Now you're yanking my chain. It's the eight of hearts, right? That's it. Okay, so I did it. I'm magic, right? Okay, you want to have some fun here? I'm going to tell you how I did the trick. You want to know? Okay, here's what happens. So, you pick a card. Okay, so you're going to pick a card. Now watch this. You're going to hold this up. And while you are looking at everybody else, watch this. I'm going to take this card. I'm going to flip the whole deck up. No, Okay. So, I'm going to flip the whole deck upside down, and I'm going to turn one card over like this. So, every card is facing up, and I'm going to do this. Now, when you go to put this in, guess what happens? This goes in like that. See? Now, I'm going to flip it back over again, and guess what's going to happen? Now, all of a sudden, we know that your card is right there. So you got a trick, go try it out on your brother at least three or four times an hour. Okay. You are awesome. Okay, you can go have a seat. Oh, wow. Did somebody bring this to me? Did I did I did they hand it to me? Oh okay. Hey, I just want to say I'll be here all week. <laughs> Don't forget to tip your waitress. Okay. Um, so I, the reason why I did uh, this, this card trick is because I think it really relates to what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 7. When he says, the things I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And the things that I hate to do, those are the things that I end up doing. And I just want to say, I totally understand. I totally get it. I, I know where Paul was coming from. Because as much as I don't want to be a slave to sin, I find myself falling back into those sinful natures. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a minister. I've been one for almost a quarter of a century now. And I fall into these sinful natures. And so I want to talk a little bit about that uh, and, and why it's important that we recognize that Satan is attacking us and he's going after our weaknesses. That's what he wants to do. And some of you may know this story just because I've shared it in some form or fashion. Uh, some of you just know me and you can say, yeah, I, I could tell you what Doug's problems are. Um, probably not all of them because i got a lot of them. But let me tell you my, my big problem. And it started a really, really long time ago. The thing is, is that he never yelled, and he rarely argued. It's not because he didn't want to. He just didn't have to. You see, the lies of Satan whispered in my ear were convincing enough. On the outside, my family was perfect. The husband was a church leader and an adult Bible class teacher. The wife, she was a VBS coordinator and a Sunday school teacher. Their children were polite and they were fun and they were respectful. But as often happens, after a couple of kids and seven years of marriage, things were starting to fall apart. 
And so I suppose in a last-ditch effort to save my family, the thought of a little baby girl seemed to provide some hope. Maybe that would fix some things that just hadn't been going quite right. So just one day before Thanksgiving in 1975, my parents and two brothers welcomed me into this world. They didn't have sonograms back then. But as you can see, I was not the beautiful, healthy girl that they had hoped for. The truth is, I was a disfigured boy with a cleft lip, a deviated septum, and a host of health issues. You see, the first five years of my life were filled with multiple surgeries, weird food allergies, and lots of expensive medical bills. Instead of being the girl who fixed the family, I was the boy who complicated it. Now, I don't know that my parents ever acted this way. They, I don't ever feel like I was unloved by them, but for some reason, that's just what resonated in my heart. I just wasn't loved. So I, I guess I could say the first five years, uh, ex, excuse me, I guess growing up, I could say my theme song might have been looking for love. Um, in all the wrong places or the right place or any place, while most kids on the playground were avoiding cooties, I was the one hoping someone would share theirs with me. My parents' separation at 13 and my dad's traumatic helicopter crash at 15 confirmed that nothing was ever going to go right. By the time I was in high school, my gangly 6 foot 2, 115 pound body could barely carry the weight of my crushingly low self-esteem. I wasn't fast enough to make the team. I wasn't handsome enough to get the girl. I wasn't smart enough to make the grade. I was neurotically so broken with my self-esteem. And I'll, I'll give you just one example of this. Um, I, was, I was very thin, and I hated being thin. I mean, I'm, I'm literally the same height as I was a freshman but I'm 90 pounds heavier. I did. I was just, I mean, I was so skinny, but I ate all the time and I ate a lot and I would go through a drive-thru. This is true. I would go through a drive-thru and I always ordered enough for two people. I always ate more than that was normal, but I'm not joking. I would order two drinks because I didn't want the woman handing me the food through the window to think that I was going to be eating my food alone. I, I hated myself. And I was convinced that God hated me too. After high school, things started to look up a little bit. 
I, I gained a little weight. I was accepted into the youth ministry program at ACU. And I found a beautiful girl who said yes to a lunch and to a date and to a proposal. <laughs> I would go on to graduate with a degree in youth ministry from Abilene. I would marry a beautiful woman and I would begin a youth ministry program in Mansfield, Texas, just uh, south of Arlington. I had an amazing wife, and not longer after that, we welcomed a healthy baby boy. And you cannot imagine how many prayers I asked for God for that little boy to be healthy and not have the same issues that I had. And so on the outside, things were really, really good. But on the inside, I was still believing the whispers of Satan. Doug, you are not good enough. You are worthless. You are shameful. You're a disappointment to everyone and especially to God. You see, it's so ironic because if anybody should know about the love of God, it really should have been me. I grew up in a family that always went to church. And while the, the church was a little harsher back then, there's still were people around me who loved me. Starting in fourth grade, I attended a little private school. Every day we had Bible class. Every day we had chapel. I did not miss a Sunday morning. I did not miss a Sunday night. Remember the good old days when we had Sunday night? I didn't miss a Sunday night. I didn't miss a Wednesday night. If the doors were open, our family was there. I graduated from that little private school. I went on to go to a private university. I had at least one Bible class every day. I went to chapel every day. You would think somewhere in there, somebody said, hey, Doug, guess what? God loves you. And the thing is, they did over and over again. But Satan knew a trick. All he had to do is whisper and say, you're not good enough and you never will be, but hey, just try harder. And what a downward spiral that took me. And the more I tried and the more I felt unloved, the more I felt like a hypocrite and a phony because I would stand in front of kids and even on occasion in front of the whole church and I would tell them as a youth minister, God loves you and he's given you his grace, but I didn't believe it in my own life. And some of you may remember me sharing this before, but there was a, a pivotal moment that happened in my early 20s. I had gone to uh, NCYM, which is a national conference for youth ministry. And it was in Galveston, Texas that year. I mean, just such a beautiful setting. I mean, there's the, the rocks and the seaweed. 
what, there is a big body of water out there. I'll give it that. And, and I had gotten up early one morning. And I'd gone to the top of this hotel. And it was empty. It was a dining room. It was just a bunch of huge, huge, probably the size of the quads. And a bunch of big round tables with these beautiful tablecloths on there. And they already had like the, the place setting set out. And I was up there all by myself. I probably wasn't supposed to be up there. But I just pushed the button. It took me to the top because I thought, man, I want to look out over the ocean. And I just want to spend some time in prayer. And I did. And, and so I just... I prayed the prayer that I had just, just most of my life. And it was something like this. God, I love you. I'm so sorry for not being the person you want me to be. Please forgive me. I wish you could love me. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to um, suggest that. I'm, I'm just saying I was in that room and I was alone. And for the first time in my life, and I heard this. I heard a voice that said, Doug, I do love you. And I believed it in my heart. And I just knew that God does love me through my brokenness and my failures. And that was around 2000. Uh, right at 2000, 23 years ago. And every day, Satan pulls out that deck of cards and he pulls that same trick on me. And every day, I wrestle with whether or not God really loves me and if I'm ever good enough. And I want you to know it is an awful way to live your life. And, and what I do, my role as a minister, it is especially dizzying and nauseating and it is awful. Because way too many times, because I couldn't believe that God loved me, I thought maybe if God won't love me, maybe at least I can get the people around me to. And it is a vicious cycle of saying, I want people to like me, and I want people to love me, and I want people to accept me. I, I really wake up in the morning, and I thank God, allowed to be here with you after 11 years. I, I tell people all the time, I have no idea why you guys still have me here. Like, I just, I think that all the, like, I'm just, I'm just, ne I'm never going to be good enough. And then it, it turns into this really sick, demented, vicious cycle. Of like, I want people to like me and I want people to say, Doug, I like you, you know, 
you've got a pretty wife, you know. Like I, I just, oh, Doug, you know, I just, like, I, I want people to say, oh, that was a good sermon. And then the moment that you say, I like you, or that was a good sermon, like, I immediately begin, like, punishing myself for, for being so terrible that I want you to say that. And so I want you to like me, but, but if you in some way suggest that you like me, then I'm mad that you said that. Not because I don't like you, but because I don't like myself, and, and here I've, I've done this. And, and I do the things that I don't want to do, and the evil that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do. And I'm caught in this. And I think you probably are too. And some of you, God has given you the confidence and the assurance and the belief that you are loved by Him. And the one thing that has helped me over and over again, I came to realize this a few years ago, is I was on another one of my pity parties, my prayers, and I was saying, God, you just don't love me. It hit me like a a ton of bricks. And I just realized something I hadn't thought about before, and it's really, it's helped me a lot as I go through this woe is me life. Anytime that I tell God that I'm not good enough, and that He can't possibly love me, and He won't forgive me, and I'll never be good enough, what I'm really saying to Him, what I'm really telling Him is, God, I wish you would have done more. If only you had given more, then I could be saved. Then I could be loved. And how heretical and blasphemous is it for me to somehow convince myself and try to convince God that the sacrifice of His only Son wasn't enough. And I do the things I don't want to do And the things that I don't want to do, I hate to do, those are the things I do. And so maybe, maybe this isn't, maybe this isn't the trick that Satan has on you. But I suspect after a few years, he's honed in on a few. And he just may have found your Achilles heel. And so what I want to do over the next several weeks or months is I just want to talk about what are the ways that Satan's getting after us. We're going to spend a lot of time, of course, in Romans. Paul understands this so well, and he talks about in in different places how how he struggles. He has this thorn in his flesh, and he's the, the chief of sinners. And we're going to talk about the different ways that Satan is going to get after you. And I I think it's important that we acknowledge and recognize that because the only way we're going to to defeat the enemy is that we recognize how he fights. And it's not fair. But the way that he fights and the way that we can guard our hearts and that we can look up to Jesus even through our brokenness and our hurt. Would you say every day? Every day, isn't that right? Tim, you shouldn't have to fight that every day, should you? I mean, you're Tim. I mean, like, you're, you're an amazing man. You have a wonderful wife, an awesome family. Like, and yet, Satan's coming after Tim every day. He's coming after all of us. Um, and I'm not going to turn this into a, a, a thing where it's, you know, all about how, you know, we, we cast out the demons. God is bigger than Satan. 
God is bigger than Satan. And we just need to remember that in our lives. Uh, And so as we go out this week, I want you to start thinking about your story. I want you to think about the ways that that Satan's trying to drag you down. Um, We're going to spend some time in Romans. We're going to spend some time visiting with a, a, a dear friend of mine. I call him my friend. I don't know him but I've read some of his books, C.S. Lewis. Uh, and we're going to be talking about the screw tape letters. And if you haven't gotten read that book before, I want to encourage you to get that. That's going to be helpful as we move along. If you don't have a copy and, and you can't find one, come talk to me. I'll loan you one or I'll get you one. And I want us to be thinking about all the ways that we can defend against the lies of Satan. Because once we start believing in the promises of God and his assurance, it just literally changes everything. And that's what Jesus does through his sacrifice and his resurrection. And so this morning, I'm going to ask that we stand and sing a song of invitation. If you've been struggling with heartache and hurt in your life, I want to encourage you. Come forward and and just know that you can be prayed for and loved. and, And that we will lift you up to the Lord. Please come as we stand and sing.